This UCSD-TV program is a presentation of University of California Television for educational and non-commercial use only. This is a podcast of Scripps Institution of Oceanography at UC San Diego. To learn more about how you can support Scripps, visit us online at scripps.ucsd.edu. On Saturday, February 27th, one of the largest earthquakes in recorded history struck in the middle of the night near Concepcion, Chile. It took the lives of nearly 500 people and caused widespread damage to the country's central coast. Many of the casualties from that night were not directly caused by the earthquake, but by the tsunami waves that followed. For hours after the quake, tsunami waves 40 feet tall or more pounded coastal communities and islands offshore repeatedly, sweeping people out to sea and shoving even large vessels inland. One Scripps Institution of Oceanography research vessel was only miles away from the quake's epicenter when it struck. RV Melville sustained no damage, and within hours, plans were in motion to make the ship part of a rapid scientific response to the quake zone. Part of Melville's instrument package made it particularly suited to the task. It has a multi-beam sonar unit that can map the seafloor. Scientists wanted to know what caused the tsunami and if there was an immediate risk of more tidal waves. The map could give important clues, and by chance, portions of the offshore quake zone had already been mapped by a team of German researchers years earlier. That would let the scientists create a before and after comparison. Thanks to a special fast-tracking process, the National Science Foundation funded a special research cruise that brought a team of American and Chilean geophysicists to the scene while evidence was still fresh. What the scientists came away with was data that had never been collected before. The ship was safely at sea when the earthquake struck and almost directly above the epicenter at the time. So we were really fortunate in the sense that we had the assets in place, we had a ship in place that's scientifically capable of conducting the kinds of research that we want to do to better understand what happened during the earthquake. So I sent the first email off to NSF Saturday afternoon, local time, and Monday morning I got the okay from them to begin formulating some sort of plan. That Monday is when Peter and I first started discussing what exactly we'd want to do. One thing that, that was would clearly be useful was the multi-beam sonar on Melville, and, and they talked to me about the idea of, of doing a multi-beam map around the site of the earthquake, the submarine site of the earthquake, so that we could compare it to previous data and see how the seafloor changed. My interest was to, to go back to that area and use the multi-beam sonar system on the Melville, remap that, collect new soundings, the depths of the seafloor, and then work to compare those two to look for regions of uplift and of subsidence. That seems like a very obvious thing to do if you're interested in how much the grounds move during an earthquake to go and make a map of it. But this has never been done before. With a, There's never been a place with a prior multi-beam survey of the systematic sort that the Germans had done almost accidentally. And then a the follow-up, since you're repeating that after an earthquake. So part of what we were attempting to do during the latter part of our data collection was to simulate information from the people working on land, put that on a map, and then use that as a bit of a guide as to, to where to go in the shallow water. 
While the real-time sonar readings were critical, the researchers wanted to make longer-term measurements as well. They deployed several pressure sensor packages that will record changes in seafloor elevation over the next year. The purpose there is, is if there are further large vertical motions, then we could separate the motion of the seafloor apart from any changes in uh, tides and other changes in the water column. So it would give us another way to measure uh, the vertical motion of the seafloor. We, we had four of these sensors that we put out in a transect across the, uh, the trench. But getting equipment flown into a ravaged country in time for the cruise was only one of the challenges posed by the unusual opportunity. The science team caught at least one break. The northern city of Valparaiso, where they would rendezvous with Melville, sustained little damage. The planning stages for a cruise typically last more than a year. There's all sorts of logistics that you have to set up because we're, our ships are moving from place to place throughout the world. We have to deal with port logistics and shipping large amounts of freight to foreign ports, getting them through customs, loading them on the ship. So the typical cruise takes at least a year to plan. What we're doing now is we're essentially taking all that planning and compressing it into just about a week. Shipping is always an issue and that's particularly difficult international shipping. And then you try to do it within two weeks and then you try to do it within a country that's just uh, had a major earthquake. So that was a hassle. With NSF, it was rapid in the sense of uh, valuation and funding. I get the most, I can't, the most I can't. credit to the, the ship's crew. You know, they, mm -hmm. they were on a 30-day leg in the Southern Ocean. Weather not too good. They're looking forward to a few days of R and R in Valparaiso, which is a very popular port. And instead, didn't even touch land. Anchored out in the bay. We jumped on and said, "Let's go." And because we'd squeezed all the time that was available in the in the schedule to do the survey, the exact same thing happened when we arrived at Valparaiso. We jumped off and, and went and had a beer, and the, and the crew stayed on the ship and left within a couple of hours for another two-week trip up to Central America. So they were really above and beyond uh, in terms of allowing this to happen. From my knowledge, most of the rapid responses have been to uh, mid-ocean ridge events where there's been some anomalous detection from the seismic network, and then a ship is sent out to, to look for recent changes to the mid-ocean ridge. So this is one of the first times we've been able to respond to a subduction thrust event. Well, there is new information about how frequently and how large some of the underwater slumps can be in areas that are shaken on steep slopes, shaken by earthquakes. So for that sort of geologic interpretation aspect, I think we can declare it a, a successful operation. This has been a presentation of Scripps Institution of Oceanography at UC San Diego.